0: We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. If you got your Bible, go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, that's where we're going to camp out. We're going to be in Luke chapter 9. We might hit a little, uh, few verses in verse 10. But Luke chapter 9, why do I ask you guys to go to your Bible if you have a Bible? If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We've got some house crew who want to put a Bible in your hand. I I believe that the Bible is such a transformative agent in our lives that when we read it, something happens inside of us. Like the Bible is not just a good book. It's just not a, uh, a good novel. It's not just a collection of stories, but it's the life giving message of a loving God who cares and loves for his children, for his creation and tells us the story of how he is created and formed things to be and where we fall in line with the story that he is created. Like a great movie, the Bible has incredible stories, epic adventures, love stories that have you uh, just swooning uh, for your mates. I mean, the Bible tells you some really, really good drama. Uh, if, you, if you like um, thrillers, the Bible will give you some crazy thrillers. And I love the Bible because I love movies, I really love movies. I love watching movies. I, I, I love getting home on a Sunday afternoon after church. We've had a great time at church. We get home. We we eat together and, and the kids go and they scurry away. Maybe they go outside and play or maybe they go downstairs to their room and they're on their games and whatnot. The family has chilled for a little while for a little while. And then my wife and I sit down and we grab a movie. We watch a movie together. There's something amazing about just catching a really good movie. And it's crazy because through the pandemic, I didn't realize how much I enjoyed going to the theater. So when everything was shut down and all we had was movies at home, I love watching movies at home, but there was something, there's a novelty about going and getting a ticket and then going to um, uh, grab some popcorn and and some drinks and going to sit in a theater and there's people all around. and, And watching a movie, there's something special, there's something really cool about the movies. It's become an American tradition. It's become the, part of the fabric of who we are as Americans. Uh, the movie theater is a place for first dates. Anybody in here had their first date at a movie theater? It's a place for first dates. It's a, first, it's a place for first kisses. Anybody had their first kiss at a movie theater? I see a couple. I see a couple. Parents, don't look around because I saw some of your kids raise their hands. I mean, movies movies are great. There's date nights for the young and the old. Man, there's nothing cuter than seeing an older couple. Like, I'm talking about, like, old, old couple. And I'm not talking about, like, just older, their hair's starting to get gray. But, like, older couple, and they're walking slow, and they're holding hands. And he's got the popcorn and she's helping him out with the napkins. It's like old people are so meticulous in everything that they do. It's just everything is so perfect and they walk into the movie theater. There's something special about watching, or watching little kids getting to see their favorite superhero, their favorite cartoon. And you can see, like, Mom, are we ready yet? Can we go inside yet? Can we go inside yet? There's something amazing about going to the movie theater. The rousing roar of laughter-inducing comedy. That, that dramatic pause in the silence
1: or the gasp when that thriller hits
0: that moment. Going to the movies is a part of the fabric of our culture and some of life's greatest moments, memorable moments have taken place at movie theaters. And it's interesting, Going to the movies is much like going to church. When I was thinking through this, I realized that going to the movies is much like going to the church because in church are life's most precious moments. For some people, the first time they actually felt connected and loved and embraced was when they walked through the doors of the church. For some people it was experiencing God's tangible presence for the first time during worship and they've heard about it, they've seen it on TV, but then they walked in and I don't know about you, I don't know how many uh, uh, people this has happened to where you walk in unexpected, unassuming, just expecting it was just going to be another day as usual at church and something happens, the strum of the guitar, the ping of the keys does something inside of you and you're just like, oh my gosh, I feel... The presence of God in this place. The first time people lift their hands in worship. So crazy, people come to relevant church and maybe they'll come from like a very conservative church and they'll see the band up here dancing and jumping and they're just like, oh, are we allowed to do this? And it's like one of those, uh, what was that commercial back in the day? Fresh, not fresh, what was it called? You guys? Oh, yeah, I can't remember it. It would have been funnier if I'd have remembered it. Or maybe, maybe, I don't know if you've been in the auditorium or in church and the message just hits you so personally and either tears of joy or tears of wonder as you reflect on the person and the work and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. See, church is a place for connection. Church is a place for fun. Church is a place for engagement. Church is a place to find your spouse. Lewis, Dene. Church is a place for marriage, Angie, and Denver. Church is a place to find healing, Cindy. Church is a place for us to invite are our family and our friends to come and get the healing, Dana. Church is also a place where you come in a release from the heaviness and the weight the life throws your way. Church, one moment you could be laughing hysterically, worshiping in abandonment, And the next moment, find yourself broken in conviction, saying, God, this is me. This word is about me. Like going to the movies, going to church has become part of the fabric of American society. From the foundations of America, when people came to this country, there was fleeing religious and political. Oppression and they came here and they said, Listen, over here you are going to be able to worship freely without hindrance. It has been the setting of some of life's most precious moments. And I was thinking about how the movies function. I went really deep, y'all. I just started thinking about the movies. Like the movie industry, the movie theaters have certain groupings of people that are connected to the theater. So number one, you've got the moviegoers, the the customers who are coming to watch the movies, the you and I, when we're going, and it's date night, or there's a new Marvel movie that wants to come out. Uh, My wife is a Marvel fanatic. She's turned my kids into Marvel fanatics. They even watch the bootleg Marvel videos on TV. They're like, that doesn't even look like it follows Marvel. Anyway. So the moviegoers, they show up, they, they choose a movie, they get to the movies, they spend their money on tickets and snacks and drinks. They come in, they, they watch the show and uh, they go to the restroom because I'm one of those individuals who has to go to the restroom at least 2.5 times while I'm watching a movie because I'm always sucking, drinking something up. And so I'm like, yo, I got to get to the restroom. I come back and I continue to watch the movie. I I go grab refills because my kids are always drinking my drinks. And they're like, yo, dad, can I get a refill? I'm like, this is the best part. And you can't even hit pause. But dad, I'm really, really, really thirsty. You should have been eating all that salty popcorn. Your kidneys are shriveling up. They need (laughs) liquids. Then when the show is over, Uh, They leave and maybe they go out to dinner or go grab something to eat. And they sit there and they talk about their favorite parts of the movie. Uh, they talk about the environment. They talk about how the floor was sticky when they were walking in. They talk about that, that rude person who was selling them the ticket. and like, that person looks like they need another job because they didn't even smile at me. Or they talk about how loud that person was with their cell phone going off in the movie theater. But they go, they enjoy their time, they come back and they reflect and they move on with life. Then you have the movie staff, the movie theater staff. These individuals, they get to the movies early. They unlock the door. They set the temperature. They begin to get the environment ready for the moviegoers to come in and enjoy. They, they get up there, and uh, they sell the tickets. They greet the customers. They, they play with the unruly kids or look in at them like, take your demon kids back home because I don't want them in here. They give directions. Hey, the movie theater's over here, Theater 10, Theater 5. Enjoy your film, enjoy your movie. And then when the date is over, they clean up. They go in and grab all the popcorn that was spilled on the floor. They vacuum, they wipe down, they go clean the restrooms, clean the counters. They get it ready for the next day that are showing up. And it's interesting because a few hours after the moviegoer has already showed up, they're still there. They're still
1: working and cleaning up. And then you have the
0: movie theater owners. The movie theater owners are a little different because you usually never see them. You don't know who they are. You don't know their names. They, they live in the shadows. They live in the background. Everything that they do is in spaces that, and rooms that you don't see or you don't hear about. Most of us never even think about who owns a movie theater when we walk in. We don't think about them. All we do is enjoy the experience that the movie theater owner has actually created. Because they're the ones investing their time and their energy and their resources to creating this space that you and I go and enjoy. They're getting to design the theater. I'm I'm in this space right now of uh, working with a designer for our new property, and it's so awesome getting the behind the scenes and saying like, hey, what would you like to see? What's the vision? And this is what the movie theater owners are doing when they're walking through the space. They can dream about what it's going to look like. They dream about who's going to walk in. They're dreaming about how traffic patterns and how people are going to get connected. They're looking for the right staff and looking for the right leaders in, in, in this establishment so that every one of us gets the best experience possible they spend time forecasting and planning and improving on the environment see movie theater owners show up when we're not around and they kind of walk through the space And a lot of times when we're there and they show up, we don't know that they're there, but they're in there looking at your experience and making sure that you're getting the best experience in this space. I remember for my internship, I worked at Walt Disney. And if you are a Walt Disney employee, you're not allowed to wear like a badge or a, a uniform or whatever in the public. You can't eat in the same space as the public. So, a lot of times when I was a merchandise marketing intern and I had to go in there and watch traffic patterns, people didn't know. They thought I was just another customer, but I'm in there actually watching people and watching what they're interacting with and what they're enjoying. And then we go in the backgrounds and the shadows and design these uh, events or divine, design these, these experiences that you are walking in and you're just experiencing for the first time and like, "Oh, this is cool." But you don't know it's been a group of us sitting just plotting on you to spend money at Walt Disney. <laughs> they show up when no one is there dreaming about how to create a space for more people. They're always looking to see, "How can we expand?" Here's the funny thing. Everyone is impacted. Everyone is impacted by the movie theater and receives some benefit because of the existence of the establishment. Every single one of those groups the moviegoers, the, the, the movie uh, theater staff, the owners are all impacted by what goes on in this establishment. See, the customers pay a few dollars and They go, depending on where you go though. If you go to Wonderland, you're gonna pay a few dollars. If you go anywhere else, you're gonna pay a lot of dollars. Man, I went to the movies in Riverside, California and the movie ticket, one movie ticket for me was $18.75. $18.75 for a movie I didn't even like afterwards. I was like, can we get a money back guarantee on these movies? The customers pay a few dollars and they receive a comfortable seat. They receive some snacks. They receive, you know, popcorn and all of that. Uh, They receive a good show. They come and they experience a good show. The workers give up their time and receive a nominal paycheck for their labor. Maybe they get free tickets to the movies. Maybe they get early showings. Maybe they get the posters on the wall. Man, that was the one thing I wanted to work at the movie theater for. One reason only, because I wanted the posters. Because some of those banners were like floor to ceiling. There was amazing. I'm like, man, I would love to just have a movie room in my house just to have all these posters in there. The owners, they get the benefit, but it's a little different. It's a little different. See, they don't give up money in exchange for a good show. The owners don't give up time for a small paycheck and some free tickets to the movies. See, the owners experience the movie theater a little different. See, owners invest their resources because they know the return of investment is going to pay out exponential dividends. So they will invest their money. The the, the, the owners don't see themselves as spending money. They see themselves as investing money. See, the owners, they invest their time because they want to ensure the greatest customer experience will yield a a hundredfold return. They want to expand the business, so they're going to spend their time thinking about it. They're going to spend their energy investing in it so that they can create more space for more people and they can potentially flip this and open up more movie theaters. See, their benefit is not temporary or nominal. It's constantly growing, and it's only capped by their willingness to invest more time and resources. Are you guys following me here?
1: Yeah, yeah. See, they're, they're never the victim of bad customer service mm-hmm. wow. because they serve the staff. They're never complainers of, of being
0: overworked because they pursue the hustle. They want the hustle, they want the grind, they wanna get there early, they wanna leave late, they wanna spend the time in that. They spend their focus creating environments of impact that provide high
1: yield returns. And let's be honest, their lifestyle
0: shows it. If you see individuals who own the AMC theaters and the CEOs and the people who own all these conglomerates of movie houses. You see how they live. Their lifestyle shows the benefit of what they get in their investment. So I know there's like three people in here who said, but I came to church. What does this have to do with church, preacher? Someone in here is asking, listen, I'm visiting this church for the first time and he hasn't used the Bible yet.
1: We're going to get there. Luke 9, 57 through
0: 63. Jesus is in the thick of his ministry. Jesus has been doing miracles. He's got his disciples, There's crowds of people following him, and they're connected to him, and they're people who are seeing all the miracles that he's doing. They're seeing the lifestyle that he's living. They're seeing all this incredible uh, uh, clout that this man, Jesus, has, this rabbi that's shown up on the scene, and Everybody wants to get close to Jesus. There's crowds that are following anywhere. The story tells us that one time Jesus goes and 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 he 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 ministers to these people. He heals these people. Then he gets on the boat and says, man, let's go to the other side of the sea. And they find out where he's going. And these jokers travel around. They grab on boat. They jump on boats and they come at him. They want to be wherever he's at. And so Jesus in this verses that we're going to read encounters three would be disciples. A disciple is a follower of Jesus, a learner, somebody who is taught by Jesus, somebody who spent their time learning from and understanding the teachings of Jesus. Pupils. So Jesus encounters these three would be students. In verse 57, we see it. It says, As they were going alongside the road, Jesus and his followers and his disciples and the people who are following as they were going alongside the road, someone said to him, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus, bro. Don't go to the next verse yet. Y'all going too fast. Let's go back to the other verse. They see Jesus and they see the miracles that he's doing, Zach. And they're like, if I hang with Jesus, I might be able to get in on some of these miracles. Jesus might do a miracle for me. All these people are being fed. I might get a meal ticket. If he can do the miraculous of raising people from the dead, he might be do the miraculous of raising my bank account from the dead. So, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And this is how Jesus
1: responds. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You know, I wouldn't like Jesus back in the day. Jesus always had
0: something smart to say to somebody. I'm like, Jesus... Why? Why God do me like that? It gets it gets worse. <laughs> but he says, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. What is Jesus saying? He says, following me is not gonna be easy. See, foxes have holes where they go retreat to. Birds of the air have nests. He says, but the son of man, but I'm going to be wandering from city to city. If you come with me, you're going to put yourself in situations that are going to be uncomfortable. If you come with me, you might not have a place to sleep tomorrow night. If you come with me, things aren't always going to shape up as clearly as you think they should. And this is a lesson that we get to learn from here. The path to following Jesus is not for those looking for comfort. We got this for the screen. The path to following Jesus is not for those looking for comfort. And I believe we have taught an incorrect and incomplete gospel in the United States or in the Western world. Many times when we preach from the stage and we're trying to convince people to say yes to Jesus, we're like, Yes, to Jesus, your life will never be the same. You're going to have healing. You're going to have hope. You're going to have restoration. It's going to be amazing. And life is just going to be so great. Yeah, or you might not have a place to lay your head. Or you might encounter people who don't like you because of what you proclaim. Or if you're in the Middle East, you might get your head chopped off. Or if in America, they're going to tell you that you're being too religious and, 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 and you're not being tolerant of everybody else around you. Uh, or you may not be able to make ends meet because God may be saying, Are you, um, can I trust you with the resources that you do have?
1: See, we, we've taught
0: a gospel of comfort. The gospel was never supposed to be comfortable. The gospel was supposed to be confrontational. It's supposed to confront every belief system, every value, every uh, thing that you hold dear. How do we know that? How do we know that? Because in the next verse, verse 60, to another he said, follow me. So Jesus looks to this individual. He's done talking to this individual because he's over here stumped like, oh, man, I don't know if I really want to not have a place to lay my head. It gets a little cold in the Middle East at night. It might be 120 in the morning. The nighttime, it might be 30 degrees. And so he looks at somebody else, Gavin, and he says, bro, follow me. But he said, this is the guy that's responding. He says, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Paul's right there. Don't go any further. This is noble. See, part of the customs in the Jewish community is uh, the funeral was a year-long process. And from the time person died to the time they actually buried their bones, they wanted their flesh to decompose and their bones to be accessible, and then they would take their bones and they'll put them on the family plot or they'll put them in, in, in tombs or, or these areas. And so what he's saying is like, hey, um, Jesus, I wanna follow you, but not right now. Because there's some things that I got to take care of. And uh, when we look at this it's saying, I want to go bury my father, it was part of the tradition. And he's probably 99.9% of the time talking to a male, right? To another, he said, follow me. But he said, so the guy's responding. Lord, let me first go bury my father. And if he's saying this, he's probably one of the older sons in the household because his responsibility, if he does not bury his father, he has totally abdicated his responsibility as a son and a family member. He is going to be ostracized. People are going to talk about him. He is going to be one of the people who is cast out in the community and saying, dude, you don't care about family. So you see the gravity of what's happening right here. He's asking for a noble task. Let me go bury my father. Let me go do the duty that I'm supposed to do for the sake of my family. And this is how Jesus responds to him. And Jesus said to him, (laughs) boy, oh boy, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go
1: proclaim the kingdom of God. I'm telling
0: you, like, Jesus just loves me. He just died on the cross for me. Jesus just, Jesus is just, he's love. Jesus wants the
1: best for me. Jesus cares. <laughs> Jesus knows my heart sister. near past. Jesus says, I don't care about your daddy. <laughs> you got work to do. And then Jesus says,
0: let the dead bury their own dead." How rude. Jesus. He just lost his father. And he said, let the dead go bury his dead." But when you parse out the text, another thing that he's saying here, he says, let the spiritually dead go bury their own. So not only is he saying, forget about your daddy. He says, listen, your dad going to hell anyway. So let the other people go into hell, go bury your
1: hell destined father. See,
0: when we read the Bible, we read it too fast. Take the time, get you a nice study Bible. And get to break down some of these words, what he's saying. Jesus is saying one of the hardest things. He's saying, listen, don't be worried. Don't be caught up with the customs and the traditions of society and culture. There's a greater kingdom. There's a greater society. There's a greater mission that I have you for. Go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven. So if you want to take a lesson from this. Second lesson is Jesus' invitation is one that demands. You know, it's interesting when I was writing this, I wrote Jesus's invitation is one that um, uh, uh, c- uh, commands or Jesus that suggests uh, or leads us to reorient. And Holy Spirit was like, no, it, it demands. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stop, trying to, stop, stop trying to make me sound nice. Remember, we did a series about peeled. we going to stop being nice and start being peeled. Holy Spirit's like, no, no, uh, uh, we, we, when, when, when me and the Father and, and Jesus consulted about all these circumstances and these situations, we weren't trying to be nice. We were trying to be direct. We were trying to be real. We were trying to be revealed. Jesus' invitation to follow him is one that demands. And we don't like that in the society for have it your way, Burger King. Just do it, Nike. It's, it, we don't like uh, 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 demands. We don't like anyone telling us what to do. We
1: want to be independent.
0: Jesus' invitation is one that demands us to reorient our value system. He says, if you want to follow me, there's certain customs that you're used to that you're just going to have to turn your back on.
1: That's strong, Jesus. And then in verse 61, you get the eager beaver. There's always got to be one.
0: Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. You ever had one of those friends who's just always saying stuff like speaking out of turn, just excited for no reason. You just like calm down. Anybody got a kid like that? We just like, man, you're so excitable. Please just calm down. So you got this eager beaver. Happy-go-lucky dude comes up, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me first say farewell to those at home. I'm going to come with you, Jesus. I'm there. Everything that you said, these buffoons, they don't understand. They're stupid. Me, I will follow you. But let me go say bye to my daddy and my mommy and my cousin and my sister and my auntie and everybody else. They're going to throw me a good farewell party. Jesus, they're going to, like, give me money so this will help the mission. Let me go back and set it all up
1: so that we are fully funded. Let's go.
0: But let me first say farewell to those at home. I will follow you, but how many of us live that I will follow you, but life? Jesus, I will follow you, but does that mean I have to forgive that person? I will follow you, but after I get a little older for my students. I will follow you, but first I've got to, you know, settle down and get into this relationship. I will follow you, but God, uh, right now, Jesus, I don't have the time. Jesus, when I have more time, I'll invest more in following you. Jesus, I will follow you, but I don't have the money right now. So, like, I know, like, at church, they tell us, you know, we need to give tithes and offerings. I want to follow you. I trust you. I believe in you. But. How many of us follow Jesus like that? I will follow you, Lord.
1: But. Everybody say, but.
0: How many but Christians? Christian butts. Bunch of just butts everywhere. It's times you show up to church and all you see is butts.
1: Get Christians together. There's just, just a bunch of butts everywhere. Mm. Third lesson that we can learn from here is our yes to Jesus. Hold on, go back. Go back. We didn't finish the
0: text. We didn't finish the text. Go back. So he says, But let me first say farewell to those at home. This is how Jesus responds. This is strong. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow
1: and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus says, but Christians are not fit for the kingdom of God. The but philosophy is a foreign philosophy from the kingdom philosophy. Your but will keep you out of the kingdom. So what do we learn from here? Our yes to Jesus
0: is a commitment to a long walk in the same direction. And you may wanna add consistent long walk in the same direction. Not to be interrupted by life
1: circumstances.
0: You know, in human relationships, everything is all good until. On our jobs, everything is all good until.
1: In churches, everything is all good until. And we live this but life. I will follow you but. I will serve you but. I will love you but. I'll believe you, but and our butts never make any
0: progress in life, and our butts never get deeper in our relationship with Jesus, and our butts never see transformational relationships in our lives, and our butts leave us
1: out, high and dry.
0: Our yes to Jesus is a commitment to a long walk in the same direction. Hey, write this down. I don't know if I got this on the screen, but write this down. We're in the series called Blind Spots. All of us have blind spots. All of us have things in our lives that we're not aware of, and it's not until somebody makes us aware can we begin to now tackle this blind spots. You got blind spots, I got blind spots, the church has blind spots. And the blind spot for the church, for most believers, is that somebody else will step up. I will follow you, but there's a whole lot of other people who are following you already. So when I'm ready, I'll come and join the team. I want to follow you, but there's some responsibilities that I need to take care of first. And so you got enough people, Jesus, on your team. So when I'm going to take this year off to go bury my father, there's another people. There's more people there to step up. So, uh, you know what? I'll I'll get there in time. Just give me a little time, Jesus.
1: God has not called us to spectate or speculate. He's called us to participate. Fully. God has
0: called us not to spectate or speculate, not to spectate, not to just watch. From the outside, not to just enjoy the show. God has not called us to speculate and say, well, aren't there other people who can step up? Aren't there other people that are better suited for this? Isn't there somebody else? Don't you already have people there following you? Don't you already have people helping you? No, Jesus calls us to participate. It doesn't matter who's here. Are you here? Yeah, yeah, come on, that's good. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. Well, other people are just watching. That's fine. Are you? participating. See, like the movie theater,
1: this is where we turn the corner. The church has three distinct parts, very important parts. See, in the church, we have the first part, which is the consumer. The church has consumers well, too. Uh,
0: they, they, they choose a church. You know, they're looking for a church. Man, we should go to church. Sister near Pastor, we need to find a church. Isaac, let's find a church. We get to the church. And then we go to the church a little bit. And then we see the, 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 the tithe envelopes on the seats. And, and we see people giving. And we talk about the mission and everything that we're doing. So we, we give a little bit of money. And we say, I'm going I'm to drop a little bit. I'm going to give a little bit. I'm going I'm to spend a little bit. And, and consumers, they experience the show. They experience it. They love it. They, 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 they maybe even take a bathroom break in the middle of service or maybe go refill their coffee or, or, or maybe they, they go grab a donut when we've got the awesome donut wall. They, they, they experience the show. They, they experience the, the amenities that are there. But when the show is over, they leave. And then when they leave, they go to dinner, they go to lunch. And they talk about how good or how bad the show is and how awesome the preacher was or how off the preacher was or or how great the worship band was or how off-key the worship band was. Or uh, They talk about how, man, I felt really welcome or, man, did you see that person that was kind of like mean mugging me? Or uh, the, the, the people in here, they, I don't know, they seem weird. They're just, they're a little too friendly. They're too huggy. Relevant Church, man. They just look, t- oh, did I say Relevant Church? I'm not talking about Relevant Church. I'm just... I just felt overwhelmed by just like,
1: everyone's like, welcome home. That's weird. But then
0: after that, they just move on. Because they got to go to work Sunday morning, uh, Monday morning or Sunday night. And then Tuesday, then they forget about it. And then when Saturday comes, they're like, we should probably go to church tomorrow. "Ah! Let's go back to that one church that we went to.
1: Or maybe they choose a different church that week go try out this other church. They move on. So the first group in the church is consumers. The second group that we have is contributors. So contributors are a little different. See, contributors, they get to church early. They get to church before everybody else gets here. They unlock the doors.
0: They set the temperature. They begin to set the table. They begin to set up lights. They set up keys and they set up chairs and and they make sure the place is set. They make sure that the table is set because there's guests walking in and they want to welcome home the guests. They don't know who that person is who's going to walk in through the door. All they know is that there's people coming. And we've got to be prepared for these people. And then when they get here, they serve guests. They, they you know, they put the, the connection cards down. They hand out Bibles. They, they, they serve coffee. They, they play in the band. They, they serve in kids. They're, you know, they're, they're walking around. there on the tech team. What's up, Q? I see you. I rhyme because that's what I do. You don't know? Who? No, okay, I'm going to stop. Then after church... They stay, and they tear down,
1: and they clean up, and they wipe down,
0: and they close up shop. It's interesting that the contributors, they're here before the first guest ever arrives. And they're here way after the last guest leaves. Then we have the owners. See, the owners, you don't see them or even know who they are. The owners of the church. I'm not talking about Jesus, who's the owner. Yeah, he's the founder of the church, absolutely. But he, 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 steward, he puts a stewardship in the owner's hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, they live in the shadows. See, the owners invest their time, their energy, and their money. These are the ones that spend hours and time praying over these seats, praying over everybody who's going to walk in, praying over the experience that's going to take place. These, their owners are in the background, they're, they're planning. They're preparing, they're strategically thinking about where this is going and how it can make more input. And they're, they're designing the culture. They're saying like, yeah, we need to say welcome home. We need to connect with individuals personally. We need to uh, make sure that we're developing relationship because at Relevant Church, we're not just friendly. We want to make friends. At, at Relevant Church, uh, authenticity is the only requirement. At Relevant Church, we do what it takes. And these are the individuals who are constantly working to improve environments and systems. And can, can I just honor, and I know they're going to be so mad that I'm honoring them, but there's some owners in the room that you just don't know that they're, they're here because you never see them. They're in the shadows. They just silently contribute. And this is probably going to be the most, I did not ask for permission, so forgive me in Jesus' name. This is a Holy Spirit moment. I just want to talk about some owners like Jim and Cindy Gumpert. Yeah. Come, on. Come on, yeah, we can give them, we can give them some love. See, people don't know what Jim and Cindy actually do for this church. From the time they joined Relevant Church, they've just been active owners. They went through, they went through that system really quickly. They, they came as a consumer the first Sunday, and by the second Sunday, they were contributors. And then they quickly took ownership and say, this is our house. This is our church. So we are going to bless this house. And they quickly became owners. See, people don't know that our new property gets mowed each week because of Jim. We don't know that. We just drive by sometimes. I'm like, oh, they mowed the lawn this time. They don't know that Jim, who hurt his back and and, and is like, you know, like he'll get there, pull the trailer, get the lawnmower out, mow it out.
1: Preparing a space for what's to come. Some owners in this space. People don't see owners
0: like Dana. See, I always shout out Dana, just like, yo, Dana, you're like, you know, you're encouraged in in the worship experience. But people don't know that Dana is constantly inviting friends bringing people willing to come in and and serve humbly, doesn't ask for anything, just shows up. Dana uh, invited friends who didn't even live in the state during the pandemic says, hey, my church is online. And people that were out of the state joined the church because Dana was thinking not just about what's here happening locally. She was thinking about what was happening globally in the kingdom of heaven. We've got owners. Where's Mama T? Mama T's an owner. From the time we were at 210 Main Street, downstairs in the basement, Mama T, with her asthma-having self, (laughs) refusing to go up the elevator, walking up and down the stairs, grabbing stuff and putting together the cafe, and I'm like, lady, your lungs are collapsing. She says, I'm fine she's an owner. It doesn't matter what I have to endure. It doesn't matter what I have to put myself through. I'm going to own the vision. Owners, they stay up dreaming about how to create a space for more people to experience the gospel.
1: See, here's the deal. The, the consumers show up and receive the comfortable seat and a good show. See, the contributors
0: give up their time and talent, and they get to witness life change. They get to see joy restored. They get to see growing relationships. They get to be a part of something bigger than them. See, contributors see what's happening and say, I got to contribute to that. I got to be a part of that. But owners receive a different benefit.
1: See, the owners
0: they get a benefit and it's different. And I I'll just love to share a couple other owners like Lewis and Denae Boyden. Yeah. Yeah. Lewis has owned the vision since I first landed in Niles, Michigan, when there was no church, when it was just a figment of my dreams and my hopes and ours wishes. And I came to him and I said, Luke, I'm planting a church. Do you want to be a part of this? And he says, Yeah, I'll give you six months. And it's been seven years, and Lewis is still here. Yo, yo, yo. And and Lewis and Danae get married. And Denae is in row. Denae decided to be an owner before she even got married to Lewis. I remember she was here about three, four months and we're taking a trip to California to go to the 316 conference. And I'm like, hey, so we're going to this thing. And she's like, I'm willing to go. I'm like, girl, you don't even know us. And then Denae, with her little brave self, travels with Lewis and Q. If you'd have met these jokers six years ago, you wouldn't have traveled with them. I don't know who these jokers are. These tall, Nephilim-looking selves. Somebody catch that joke. But Denae saw a gap, and she says, I'll just own it. Denae has literally been our keys player for like the last five, six years. She doesn't have to do it. She'll come back early from a trip with the family just so that she can play the keys. They'll fly out and go on their honeymoon and make sure they're back in church Sunday. They'll, they'll get married and the next day say, like, we're going to church first. And then we're going to go on a honeymoon. Owners. See, owners get benefit As well, and we have many owners here. Don't let me just talk about Angie and Denver and Zach and now Heather. Heather's brand new here and she's already owning the vision. Owners like Matt Herm sitting there quietly. Barely anybody know who he is, but before he ever stepped a foot in this church, he owned the vision. See... Owners don't give tithe in, expense, in exchange for a good show. And there's many other owners. I'm not I'm not mentioning everybody, but there's there's many of the owners. And you know exactly who you are. See, owners they don't give up their
1: time for a pat on the back. See, their
0: view is different. See, owners invest in their invest their resources because they know the return of investment is a result. We will result in sickness being healed, a hopeless finding hope, broken finding breakthrough, and dead people coming to life. See, owners invest their time because they know that God's prodigal sons and daughters are walking in anytime and they want to make sure that the space is ready and that we've got the resources to throw the party for the prodigal son and say, welcome home. You are family. You are loved. You are not forsaken. You are part of the family. See, owners, their benefit is not temporary or vicarious as they look at everybody else contributing. It's, it's personal. It's tangible. God is using them to plunder hell and populate heaven. And their impact is uncapped by their faithfulness and their commitment. See, owners are never victim
1: to a bad church service. Owners are never complainers
0: about being burnt out. Owners are never uncomfortable with the sounds of kids learning about Jesus upstairs. They spend their focus creating opportunities for God to be glorified, Jesus to be exalted, and the Holy Spirit to run through every single individual who encounters The message of the gospel.
1: So here's my challenge. Luke chapter 10, verse 1
0: through 3. After this, remember, what has just taken place is Jesus encountering these would-be followers and having conversations with them. And he turns and he looks at 72 individuals. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them,
1: the harvest is plentiful, but
0: the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. There's so many people out there who need to know Jesus. There's so many people out there who need to encounter Holy Spirit. There's so many people out there dying and and are crying out for change in their life. There's so many people who just want to hear welcome home. There's so many people who just want to feel the love of the Father. There's so many people here who just want somebody to tell them, you matter. You exist for a purpose. God is with you. Jesus is for you. He loves you. But, but, but the laborers are few. See, the same blind spot that was there is here today. Someone else will step up. There's a Pareto principle. I don't know if you've heard of this in business, and psychology. The Pareto principle is the 80-20 rule. That 20% make up 80% of the effectiveness. So in the church... 20% are owners, and 80% are contributors and consumers. 20% own the vision, and 80% contribute or consume the vision. 20% are fully invested. 80% are still trying to figure out whether they're all the way in, or let me give you some uh, limited availability of how I will contribute. And I remember right on the same platform a few months ago, my pastor, Pastor Jonathan Belima from Relevant Riverside showed up and he said this statement and it felt like a weight was just dropped in the room. He says, stop waiting for someone else to step in where God has called you to step up. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We are in the middle of relaunching Relevant Church. The days when we had hundreds of people in the auditorium,
1: the days where
0: resources were bountiful, Mike. We could do whatever the heck, listen, man, we could just invest, invest, and it was great. God said I need to hit a reset button. Because what would happen if the Pareto Principle was flipped on its head and it was 80% who owned the vision? What type of impact would we have in this community, region, and world if 80% said I'm in? What would happen when 80% says, I'm not just going to be a consumer. I'm not just going to be a contributor. I am going to own the vision. We're going to invest in this. Because let me tell you something. There's this, there's this psychology that tells us, well, if everybody's an the owner, then who's going to be a consumer? Who's going to be a contributor? He says the harvest is plentiful. There's many more people. So if we've got more owners, it just creates more room to expand the mission. It expands the ability for us to become exponential. In a few weeks, we're going to be moving into a new space, our own space. We've been praying for this. We've been giving to this. We've been invested in this. And it kind of uh, reminds me when uh, Jesus was uh, sending out the 72, and he says, Man, listen, I need you to go out there. I need you to create and make waves because there's a shift coming. There's going to be an expanse coming. And we need more owners to be a part of this. In a few weeks, we're going to move into a space. And as we celebrate what God is calling us to, I believe that God is inviting us for something to participate in. It doesn't matter whether you're a first-time guest. I'm going to tell you why in just a second. Because I believe you were supposed to be here today. It doesn't matter if this is your second time here. I believe you were supposed to be here today. It doesn't matter if you used to be a part of Relevant Church in the past and you just so happen to show up on this day. Because I see you in this room. You've come home and we're saying welcome home. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the labor is a few. But I believe that today was a divine appointment for every single individual in this room. Man, woman and child. I guarantee you, I promise you.
1: What Jesus sent out was a launch team.
0: And I want everybody to scrap your idea of church. I want you to scrap your idea of of what the Sunday looks like. I want to tell you something. Over the last few weeks since we reopened, this has not been the gathering of doing church. This has been a gathering of a launch team. That is getting ready to usher in a new movement of God. None like this area has ever seen it. And I'm saying it right now. And I'm putting it out in the atmosphere. I believe this is a prophetic word from the Lord. And I'm going to show you guys in just a second. You've gotten to preview what church is going to be like. So you've gotten to consume a little bit. You've contributed a little bit. We're fun. We're upbeat. We're, we're excitable. We're, we're, we're engaged.
1: But now you get to get in the game. So I've got a challenge. I've got
0: a couple challenges out there. Everybody under the sound of my voice, I I pray that you're leaning in right now. This is a holy prophetic moment. And I'm not saying that because I'm trying to be weird and, oh, Holy Spirit, like sanctify. No, 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 no. I I guarantee you, you'll see in just a moment. If you're a consumer, we need consumers. But I believe today God is telling you, I need you to stop being a consumer and I need you to start being a contributor. And I want to invite you to make relevant homes. Everybody who is under the sound of my voice, wherever you're at, if you're a consumer, if you've been visiting Relevant Church, if you're here for the first time, I, I just want to challenge you. God wants to do something special. God wants to do something miraculous. Something wants to use God wants to use you individually. Yes, you. I'm inviting you to make Relevant Home. On your connection cards, there's a little uh, checkbox. Uh, it says, I want to make Relevant Home. I, I dare you. I dare you to make a commitment. Make relevant home. You don't even know what the heck you're going to do. You know, he says foxes of holes. the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has. Listen, it it might be like, oh, my gosh, what am I getting myself into? Trust me. My challenge to you today is make relevant home. If you're a consumer, if you've just been coming, if you've been visiting, if you could be here for your first time. I know it's kind of crazy. It's kind of bold to ask somebody to make that big of a step. Yeah, I am. I'm no kidding.
1: Number two, if you're a contributor. If you've been a contributor.
0: Before I finish this one, if you're a consumer, not only say I want to make relevant home, I want you to circle, I want to join the dream team. Meaning you're moving from consumer to contributor. You're not just making relevant homes so it's a nice little, like, oh, yeah, I'm part of the church now. No, no, no. You're saying, I'm going to start contributing. Your time, your talent, your resources. Circle join the dream team. That's if you're a consumer. If you're a contributor, we're inviting you. This means you may just be a part of the dream team. You may be already serving. This is what we want you to do. We want you to circle leadership development. I want to become an owner. I want to take my commitment level to the next level. There's there's space for everyone at the table.
1: If you're a contributor,
0: I want you to Say, hey, listen, I, I, I'm willing to lead a team. I'm willing to lead an area. We're, we're about to go into a building. We're going we're gonna to need a lot of hands. I don't know what the heck God is going to do in that building. I don't know what type of floodgates he's going to open. I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to need some owners. We're going to need some team leads. We're going to need some people who are like, yo, I'm willing to own this vision. If you're an owner... I got a challenge for you to go to uh, verse 2 of chapter 10. And something that really hit us in our staff meeting this week. If you're already an owner, thank you. I want to honor you. But I want to give you a big challenge. This is probably greater than any money you've invested This is greater than any time you've invested if you're an owner already. Keep doing those things. Keep giving. Keep showing up. Keep serving. Keep owning the vision. But I want to challenge every owner in this room to increase your prayer life. It's as simple as this I need you to start committing to prayer. If you don't pray, if you pray five minutes, increase it to 15 minutes. If you pray 15 minutes, increase it to 30 minutes. If you pray 30 minutes, increase it to an hour. If you can increase it an hour, increase it to half a day. Take half of your day praying. I am being dead serious right now, guys. It is a matter of kingdom critical uh, uh, responsibility for us right now, because Jesus command. He says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So I need every owner in this room to say, listen, I'm not uh, I'm not going to just stop doing what I was doing. But I'm going to increase this by being on my knees and praying for more contributors. I'm praying for more uh, uh, consumers. I'm praying for more owners. I'm just going to commit to praying because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. So number one, if you're a consumer, make relevant home. Join a dream team. If you're a contributor, join, lead a team. Or uh, a circle leadership development. If you're an owner, I need you to promise me that you're committing to increasing your prayer life because God wants to do a move and He's going to use every single individual in this room.
1: Thank you again for joining
0: us on the Relevant Church podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, Join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.